JTEC Studios in Atlanta, Georgia. It's America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. And now, here are your hosts, Tom Bastak and Mike Jacobs. And welcome in. It's America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. It's the game show, guys. I'm Tom Bastek. I am Mike Jacobs. Thank you so much for joining us back on episode number 18. We got uh, quite a few things to cover up at the top here this week, don't we, Tom? Yeah, we've got a lot of a lot of stuff. First of all, uh, we've had record listens this week, and I just want to say thank you to everybody for tuning in. Yeah, for sure. Our numbers have been going quite up. Uh, I'm sure it due in no small part to... Uh, Christian's article about where in the world is Carmen San Diego. Highly recommend going to check that out. Fascinating stuff over there. Yeah, I gotta I gotta tell you, it's it's not often that I get really sucked in. And I knew this story because Christian told us. Uh-huh. And I was sucked in. I was too. And like the cliffhangers really got me. And yeah, he did a great job with it. Yeah, so check it out. Uh, we'll have links up also on our website, linking over to all three sections of that uh, Carmen San Diego article. So cool. Very good stuff. Um, I want to bring up my friend, Jen Capstra, uh, who texted me this week, busting your chops, Mr. Michael. Oh yes. Uh, I, I recall this. Let's, let's, let's dive in, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> well, to, uh, first of all, uh, I want to say thanks to Jen for listening in, but apparently, uh, she, she was listening to double dare. I don't know how far, if she's listening to every episode or that's just one that she related to. Hmm. Uh, but she wrote, uh, back and she said that, uh, you were bashing, just bashing, uh, the Turkey television. And I, I, you know, I don't recall you bashing. I mean, I think you may have said like there were some crappy other shows like Turkey Television or whatever, but I don't remember you bashing it. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't say bashing. I think I referred to it as forgettable, uh, and I stand by that. It's yeah. Go please, please do go on though. Oh yeah. So then she said, she said how amazing it was and blah blah blah. And she said they would play fish heads all the time. Mm-hmm. And then she said Dave Acoulier invented cut it out on that show. Uh, Way before Full House, your buddy is too young for it were her exact words. All right, so I got three responses to this. Number one, uh, she is correct about Fish Heads, the classic Barnes and Barnes novelty song. Uh, the video right. did get played on Turkey TV, as did several Weird Al videos early in his career. Uh, nice. It was, like I said on the, on the Double Dare show, I believe I mentioned that it's basically just a collection of uh, other properties from television kind of collected together in television. And again, I said it was forgettable. I don't know that I bashed it necessarily. Uh, (laughs) Point number two, uh, the Dave Coulier thing is incorrect. Uh, It was not Turkey TV where Dave Coulier invented the cut it out uh, before Full House. That show was actually called Out of Control, where it was like a uh, a satire, I guess, of television shows. And he was like the main anchor and they would go out to news people on the store or on the, the, on the scene or whatever. And it was like a fake news show. Um, I don't recall much about it, but I do recall distinctly. And I did look this up to confirm that that is where Dave Coulier got his start and invented the cut it out. So it is not Turkey TV. Uh, my third point is that I am not a fan at all of the argument that someone is too young for something. Uh, Theoretically, I am too young for the Beatles, 
but no one would be surprised that I know what the Beatles are. Uh, theoretically, uh, even people a generation older than me are too old, or sorry, too young for old time radio, uh, which is something that happens to be a personal hobby of mine and I know a lot about. Uh, so the idea that someone's age would exclude them from having knowledge about uh, a pop culture thing um, I think is a flaccid argument at best. Okay, well, uh, that's a, a great use of the word flaccid. <laughs> thank you. Uh, I want to thank Brian S. from Connecticut writing into us, uh, giving us, uh, and Brian does a great job. He's one of, um, we, we get a handful of folks that do it, but Brian really goes into great details about his um, personal memories of all the shows that we do. And he writes us uh, every couple of episodes and kind of little tidbits and joys that we get. And he had some really good ones this week uh, that I wanted to share. Uh, Mike, you want to take the Joker's Wild one? I thought this was amazing. Yeah, this is really cool. Uh, so apparently on the Joker's Wild, when a contestant would win, you know, they'd go and they'd count out the money and put it on the table yeah. there how much they won. Uh, apparently that was real money, which blew my mind to begin with because I yeah. figured they would never use real money for any of the shows that do that sort of thing. Uh, but not only was it real money, but after they did it, they would just take it back from the contestants so they could reuse it. They didn't actually, it wasn't actually the prize. It was just a stack of money that they kept reusing over and over and over again. <laughs> I love uh, that's that. That's great. That's absolutely great. The other, the other thing was is that he did um, bring up, we had a discussion when we talked about Hollywood Squares mm -hmm. about why would you continue to search for the secret square when you actually, the, the goal is to win the game? And he brought up a great point, and it makes a lot of sense, too. You only got 200 bucks back in the day for winning the game. And if you won two, two games, then you were the champion. But there was no bonus round back then. So it was actually, it, it behooved you to keep going and get the secret square because that would give you thousands of dollars if you won. That's true. And the truth is, is that, you ended up if even if you'd never got a secret square and you just kept winning as the champion, you you maxed out at two thousand dollars. So that's the maximum you could ever win if you didn't find a secret square. So it definitely behooved people to play for the secret square. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, that's great. So, Brian, thank you. Keep that uh, that great stuff coming. That goes for everybody who writes us. Uh, and please forgive me if I don't get back to you right away. We do get a lot of mail, and it's nice to have that. Uh, and I really enjoy it. And I try to get back to pe with people as soon as I can. So, thank you. Speaking of getting back to people, uh, I want to get back to the thing we brought up uh, earlier, or I guess previous episode. We are yep. indeed hireable as the game show guys. We have many virtual events uh, for your. Uh, virtual event needs. So go check out tell them what they've won.com slash hire dash us and uh, check out our offerings. We'd be happy to throw an event together for you. Yep. We've just uh, secured another, uh, we've got a law firm that we're going to be doing and mm -hmm. we're pretty excited to work for them. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like I have to be on my best behavior for that, Mike. Well, probably. I, I assume maybe jokes about uh, off color or perhaps uh, illegal things may not go over well. <laughs> I, I understand. I do. All right, well, let's go to a guy who's never off color. Are you ready for the news? Let's go to the news. Light up your cigarette, crack open a beer, put the kiddos to bed. From chaos around the world to carnage in your burial front yard, it's time for the news. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Mike. This is the news brought to you by buzzerblog.com. 
Get ready to go wild in the aisles. After completing the taping of the initial 10-episode season, ABC has finally announced that the new supermarket sweep hosted by Leslie Jones will premiere Sunday, October 18th at 8 p.m. Eastern. And again, that's on ABC. Uh, new promos that are currently running on ABC for the series give us a sneak preview of the set, which looks to take lots of inspiration from the original 90s version with, of course, updated scoreboards and sounds and music. I noticed, though, that the they are still using the original sound effects from the 90s series. So oh, I nice. think that the show's going to be in good hands. It's, you know, like any uh, retro reboot, they're uh, paying homage to the original, but updating it for current audiences. I'm really excited for it. Yeah, I'm excited to see it too. And I'm glad that they're uh, paying homage to the original, as you say. Uh, I feel like with reboots, it's uh, maybe there's been enough uh, negative instances at this point where people know they have to treat the original material with care or whatever. But yeah, I'm just, I'm glad to see they're doing that. Yeah. For me, uh, I'm just really, really uh, happy because Leslie Jones is awesome. I can't wait to see her do more great work. I agree. And I think she's going to be a great host and we'll have great chemistry with the contestants. You know, in all fairness, ABC's done a pretty damn good job by bringing back all these shows the right way, you know? I agree for sure. Yeah. They've definitely hit upon the formula for, bringing back what's considered a classic series. I mean, they've done such a good job with every game show that they've that they've put on so far. And it just goes to show you what you get when you have somebody in charge of that section of the network who gets it, who understands what makes a show like that run, you know, because you have uh, for every good reboot, there have been 10 bad ones. So it's really cool to see that they uh, know what they're doing. For sure. It's great. What else you got for us, Christian? Well, in a previous episode, we discussed a new version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire that was coming out for Nintendo Switch uh, in time for the holiday season in November. Well, we've received exclusive new information about the software straight from developer Microids. Again, this will be coming out in November, and this is apparently going to be a worldwide release. Uh, it's coming out in six countries. Each country is getting its own set of 2,000 questions translated to their language, and global online play is going to be enabled. They have a 100-person Battle Royale mode. Um, I am a huge fan of trivia-based video games and board game-based video games. So this is going to be a day one purchase for me. But it really seems like, again, they know what they're doing. And I think they're going to do a really good job with this. I'm really excited to see how it turns out. The more you've talked about this and the more I've looked into it, the more I'm inclined to agree with you. Last time we had brought this up, I had mentioned that uh, typically uh, I feel that uh, adaptations of, of and really any property, but game shows specifically into video games doesn't really translate well. Uh, but it seems like they're doing a really good job with this. Uh, I don't have a switch, so I can't get it. Well, I mean, I still could get it, but it wouldn't be anyways. Uh, so yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> just be, it would just be sitting on your shelf. Yeah. I, yeah you know. <laughs> Sorry, sir. You cannot purchase this. We know you don't have a switch. It would not be the first time I've bought a uh, video game for a system I don't own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I still have Gorf for ColecoVision on my shelf. <laughs> Gorf, I love it. I totally love it. All right, Christian, what else you got? Well, in sort of meta buzzer blog news, my investigation into the lost episode of Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego is finally complete after dozens of hours of research, interviews, uh, just waiting through the murky depths of the internet, I have finally completed it. Um, it is available in three parts to read on buzzerblog.com, and uh, go there, check it out. I think uh, 
if you're interested in lost media, if you're interested in 90s TV and game shows, uh, it's going to be right up your alley. It was one hell of a ride to re- to research this, and I had a lot of fun. So I hope you enjoy it. I've got to give you man. big kudos on the writing, too. Fantastic job. I already knew this story, and I still hung on every word. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right, Christian, what about this week in game show history? Well, we have a pretty significant entry in This Week in Game Show History. September 4th, 1972 is a red-letter day, I would say, for game show fans, because uh, September 4th was the origin point of the game show aesthetic as it would exist in throughout the 70s, into the 80s, into the 90s. It really just informs a lot of what we see from that point on. Um, so September 4th, we have the premiere of three game shows on CBS on the same day. We have The Joker's Wild with the big slot machine and the questions. We have Gambit, which was uh, a take on Blackjack, hosted by Wink Martindale. And, of course, The New Price is Right. It was called The New Price is Right when it first started for a few months, and then just The Price is Right. Um, Three really, you know, hit shows. I mean, The Joker's Wild lasted for three years, uh, Gambit for four years, and The Price is Right is still airing to this day, almost half a century later. Uh, What's interesting to note is that when Bob Barker was brought on to host one of these shows, his first choice was The Joker's Wild. He didn't have much confidence that The Price is Right was going to be as big of a hit as it eventually turned out to be. I mean, nobody could predict it'd be on in the year 2020, you know. But The Joker's Wild was his choice, and the head of daytime television at CBS at the time, Bob Grant, sorry, Bud Grant, rather, the head of daytime at CBS at the time, Bud Grant, convinced Bob Barker to host The Price is Right. And uh, eventually The Joker's Wild became one of the first national hosting gigs for Jack Berry, who was disgraced as a result of the quiz show scandals in the late 50s, went to work on some shows in Canada, got a couple bit parts on game shows in the late 60s, early 70s, and uh, finally hit it big with The Joker's Wild, and that was his sort of comeback story. He became a multimillionaire from that show alone. Uh, But just three very important shows in the history of this genre that we talk about every week. Um, and you see their influence in dozens, if not hundreds of shows from that point on. But yeah, September 4th, big day. That day will always live in my memory simply because uh, of a giant blunder in the past on this on our show. We uh, talked about uh, Joker's Wild and mistakenly said that it premiered against the new prices, right? Not alongside. Uh, so <laughs> I certainly learned my lesson there. Wasn't that also the day, if I recall correctly, that like the Olympics were on and one Mark Spitz or one of, one of the, the divers won like a gold medal that day? Oh, yeah. I don't know. It's a couple episodes back. So they're all starting to blur together. Right? I'm getting I'm getting old. It's crazy. <laughs> I think you're right, though. Yeah, I think the Olympics were. If I'm not mistaken, I think it might have had something to do with some of the episodes of The Price is Right, especially sort of being shuffled all over the place. And I and I, and I should also mention that CBS, before they had these game shows in place, uh, they were really just running reruns of old westerns and I Love Lucy during those hours, not really getting any ratings at all, very sleepy part of the schedule. So to suddenly create or to introduce three brand new game shows at the same time really shook up the schedule and sort of forced a lot of the other networks to follow suit. I guess folks just got tired of watching Gunsmoke over and over again. I don't know how that would happen. I really don't. (laughs) Well, there are so many dang episodes, I feel like you could watch it forever and never see the same one twice. Very true. Very true. All right, Christian. Well, uh, believe it or not, Gambit is actually, it's funny you should mention it. It's the show that we are featuring this week. Uh, Your thoughts? 
Well, Gambit is an excellent game. Gambit is one of those games that comes from the production team of Heater Quigley, who was responsible for the Hollywood Squares, another entry in their list of game shows that feature one oversized element. In this case, uh, it was the playing cards. And they took Blackjack, made an excellent game show format out of it. Um, It lasted for a few years in the 70s. And then... uh, in the early 80s, they brought it back as Las Vegas Gambit to replace the David Letterman show, which was a daytime version, essentially what became Late Night with David Letterman. It was on at 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, they canceled that and replaced it with Blockbusters and Las Vegas Gambit. So as a result, the last bit on the David Letterman show is the singer for the house band singing the theme song to the David Letterman show using lyrics from the press release for the announcement of Las Vegas Gambit. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, Gambit is just, is just a really good... I'm surprised there was never a home version. I mean, you really only need a deck of cards and a book of questions, but I'm surprised for a show that was on for four years. I mean, Joker's Wild was on for one year less, and they had like three versions of their home game in the in the mid-70s. That would just be an excellent board game. Maybe we could uh, work on homebrew in one. Oh, yeah. yeah. And again, all you need are some really good questions, and you need a deck of cards. As a matter of fact, if you ever find the home version of High Rollers, which is almost the same game as Gambit, but with dice instead of cards, the questions are written in a very similar way. So I'm sure you can just grab a copy of their question book, deck of cards, and there you go. There's a Gambit game. Well, if we have another year of quarantine, we'll be doing it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure we will. I may be sitting up in my attic making one out of my own feces. Who who knows? Oh, man. Wow. I do not want a copy of that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know what? It's a real shitty game. Oh. Oh, boy, oh, boy. All right, how about how about a plug for BuzzerBlog? Of course, BuzzerBlog.com, the number one game show website in the world. Whether you're looking for information on new series, on casting, on reviews of classic series, uh, in-depth investigations into lost episodes of classic series, BuzzerBlog.com is the place to go. Thank you, Mr. Christian. We greatly appreciate it, as always. I greatly appreciate you. Thank you so much. All right. So it isn't often that we get a This Week in Game Show history that actually is the for the game that we're doing for the week. You know what I'm saying? So far as I know, this is our first one. And the funny thing is, I didn't even know it until like we, we picked Gambit for this week before we knew Christian was going to come on and say, oh, yeah, this is the week that it actually debuted. Yeah, total coincidence, but it worked out. Well, let's not waste any more time. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll do the gameplay for Gambit. You've been listening to America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. song from gambit this week's featured show on america's favorite game show podcast tell them what they've won uh mike tom gambit did you ever see it i gotta be, i gotta be totally honest with you before we did this show i had never seen a gambit episode ever uh i'm going to uh one up you on that one before we started talking about doing this show i had never even heard of gambit uh, really? I, yeah. When we just were, you know, tossing around the idea of starting the podcast, I started looking up game shows, and right. this one stuck out in my mind because it's my favorite X Men character, like we say in the trailer. Uh, and I gotta say, it totally won me over. As we've mentioned several times before, uh, trivia is my 
is my game. And uh, right. Blackjack uh, is a game that I played often with my grandfather when I was younger. But uh, Blackjack and Gin uh, were both games that he taught me and we played a lot back in the day. Uh, so I always sort of think of him when I think of Blackjack. So, uh, yeah, this one this one kind of hit me in the feels in two different ways. Ah, it's great. Have you been to Vegas before? Uh, not Vegas, no, but I have been to uh, casinos. and a casino. Have, have yeah. you played Blackjack at a casino oh, before? Yes. Oh, yes, extensively. For like two days straight. Just trust me on this one after you know working in a casino for as long as I did. Uh, don't play blackjack at the casino. Well, okay, two things. First of all, it's the best odds of all the card games. Uh, Correct. Second of all, don't worry about it, Tom. I got a system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that, Mike, if I had a nickel for every time I heard that, I would have never left Vegas. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, I don't have a system. I do have a plan for how my money is spent, which is sure. essentially any time I win, half of the winnings go into my pocket and never come back out. Oh, uh, so it's not a system to play. It's just a system to make sure that you at least, uh, you know, extend your fun as much as possible. And that's the other thing. Like, I love playing the game. So if I could just sit there and play it over and over again, even if I lose all my money, I still feel like I got enjoyment out of that time. You know? Yeah. No. So. And, and I've always said that even before I lived in Vegas, like well, I used to go out there. Uh, I would say I'm bringing 600 bucks or whatever it was, and this is my fun money. Like I expect fully to lose this. I just hope it isn't in like one hour. Right, and I think as long as you go with that approach to it, uh, you're you're all yeah. set. But um, like I say, blackjack is just that's my that's my game. I love it. Thanks to my grandfather. Let's talk about Gambit. Yes, Gambit is essentially blackjack. You have two married couples playing head-to-head, and the ultimate goal is the same as blackjack. Your goal is to get closest to 21 without going over. Uh, And so in blackjack, the way that works is you just add up the value of your cards. uh, With face cards being worth 10, which means that there are way more cards worth 10 than anything else in the game. You've got all the 10s, jacks, queens, kings. Uh, aces can be worth either 11 or 1, depending on how you want it to go. Um, so, for example, if you had 20 and you got dealt an ace, you could say that's a 1, and you now have 21. Conversely, if you have a jack and an ace, that gives you uh, 11 on the ace, and therefore you have 21. Um, so, again, the idea is to get as close to 21 as possible. So how do you get cards in this game? Well, in Blackjack, they're just dealt to you. But in this one, you have to answer trivia questions. This is just a toss-up trivia question. Typically, it's like, I I say similar multiple choices in that they'll give you three words that you may not know or may sound similar or may be in the same category or something like that. And you have to pick out which one specifically they're asking for. Uh, A lot of true-falses, yes-no kind of things. Generally speaking, pretty simple trivia questions are easy, I suppose you could say. Um, And I don't know if that was maybe uh, because maybe in the 70s, the Internet's not around, so information's not as readily available. So things that seem easier to us are not easy to them. Although, you know, there's also uh, many pop culture questions that I didn't know the answer to because I simply wasn't around. And I'm too young for it. (laughs) Oh, oh, you're just not going to let this go, are you? (laughs) Uh, Look, I'm salty. It's fine. I'll get over it. Um, Anyways. 
Uh, yeah, so they answer these questions. They buzz in, and uh, if they answer the question correctly, uh, they can either take the card for themselves or they can choose to pass it uh, to their opponent if they think they are going to bust, which means go over 21. Uh, if the first card of the round is shown so that when it's like the toss-up and you can choose whether to take it, you know what you're taking. But from then on out, every card for the round is face down, so you don't exactly know what it is. But again, keeping in mind that 10 is far more common than any other number, you're you're most likely going to get a 10. Uh, so by blackjack uh, strategy, I think generally speaking, the idea is if you have 16 or more, you want to stand. Uh, by rules of the house, 16 means the dealer has to hit again. But if you're a player and you have 16, it's probably best to stand because like I say, chances are you're going to get a 10 and that's going to put you at 26. You're over. You've busted. Right. In... Uh, in Gambit specifically, at any point, a player can freeze, which is the same as in Blackjack as holding. Uh, the current card value is locked in place, and they cannot get more cards, which means they can't take any, and they cannot be given any by their opponent. Uh, and once a couple freezes, then their opponents must continue to answer trivia questions until they either get one wrong, or they get enough cards to either beat the score that is frozen, or they bust. So again, if you have 17 and you freeze, it's going to be pretty tough for the opponent to get 17, because there's not a big window from above 17, but less than 22, right? Um, and so ultimately, there are four different win conditions for the game of Gambit. One is that you hit 21 exactly. In other words, a blackjack. Uh, okay. Well, I guess specifically a blackjack is an ace and a jack. Uh, but any combination that adds to 21 exactly uh, will hit you the jackpot of the game, which is $500 plus $500 for each episode uh, that the... Um, jackpot is not claimed now this does change many of these things change with later iterations of the show uh so i'm just speaking to the primary run the the main version of gambit um so that's uh win condition number one number two is if your opponent busts for any reason they just get cards that add up to more than 21 uh the third win condition if you freeze and your opponents miss a question you will win the game um or number four if your opponents freeze and you earn a higher card value than them without bust so, uh, Tom, if you froze at 15 and I happen to answer enough questions right to get me to 19, I will win the game having beaten your frozen score. Yeah. So, like, once you freeze, that's it. You can't, like, unfreeze and then try to go a more, more. Exactly. Above you it. are saying, I'm done. You have to beat this score. No one else. Yeah. That's the end, this will end not increase. Yep. That's the end. Exactly. Exactly. You know, the one thing that's interesting is that they have a dealer. You know, I, I they do. You know, they've. They've actually got a person handing out the cards. I thought that was very interesting. Uh-huh. And putting a little freeze sign over the cards once they freeze. Yeah. yeah. I, I like that aspect of it. It sort of lends a little bit to that Vegas dealer feel a little bit. Uh, we'll talk about more of the dealer once we get to the history section. But the uh, the winner of this primary round will go on to the bonus round known as the Gambit Board. And... Uh, as the name implies, it's just a big old board. It's got 21 different cards on it, and the uh, couple can choose cards on the board, which reveals a prize underneath, and uh, they sort of bank that prize, and then they get a card added to their hand. And they could just keep doing this as long as they see fit until they bust or want to stop. So um, with this one, there's three potential ways it can end. One is that the contestants choose to stop before reaching 21, uh, at which point they get their banked prizes. Um, and then the strategy there would be if you think the next card's going to bust, again, knowing that 10s are very common. Uh, or right. you've already won, like, the top prize and you're just like, I don't even, there's no point in even risking it no matter how likely it is. I've got the top prize. I'm going to quit. Uh, second way is 
is uh, if they bust, they lose everything that they've banked so far in that bonus round, and it's just wiped out, get nothing. Or uh, they can get 21 exactly, which, of course, wins all their banked prizes, as well as a new car. Um, and uh, while I will did say earlier that we're talking about the classic version, I did want to bring up uh, Gambit Galaxy, which was a, uh, a bonus round in the later Las Vegas version of Gambit that we'll talk about in the history. And right. it sounded really cool. I didn't actually see it uh, in action, but it sounded like an interesting bonus round. But basically, they get a board, and uh, all the numbers one through nine are shown on the board. And then they roll two dice, and then they try and knock out numbers on the board. So... Uh, in any combination, let's say you roll a six, right? You can knock out the six or you can knock out five and one or four and two or however you want to. Uh, it's like that game that, uh, what's a, isn't it called like knockout or knockdown or whatever it is? Have you ever yeah. played that? Uh, there's the one that shut the box. That's kind of similar. Yeah. That's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Of. Yeah. 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 Uh, anyway, so uh, in that round, you get $100 for each removed. And if you manage to get all nine out, you got an extra $5,000 in cash uh, and a prize package, which is probably another five grand or so. Um, so, yeah, it's a way to win a lot more. And I just I like a that there's a different Vegas spin to the show as opposed to just blackjack. Uh, but I also think that sounds like a fun there's a lot of strategy of what numbers to remove and what you roll is random. So it just sounds like a good combination of strategy and randomness, which I think is great for gameplay. So now, uh, since Gambit's your favorite um, uh, X-Men, <laughs> let's uh, let's start with uh, some basic questions to see if you truly is your favorite. Okay. Uh, his first appearance was in... Well, uh, credited as uh, Uncanny X-Men 266, but that is his first full appearance. He actually makes a cameo uh, in the last panel of 265. Excellent, excellent. Uh, what year was that? Ooh, that I don't know, 84? It's actually 90. 90? Wow, that is a lot more recent than yeah. I would have thought. I didn't realize it was that recent, i got to be honest with you. Yeah, that's uh, only a year that... before the the uh, adjectiveless X-Men reboot in, the ni- in 91 that you know, skyrocketed them to fame. Yeah. Interesting. Um, what's his uh, alter uh, alter ego? Remy Lebeau. B-E-A-U. What's his middle name? Martin. <laughs> it's... <laughs> no. no. <laughs> it's E-T-N. It's uh, E-T-I-E-N-N-E. E-T-N, I guess, uh, maybe? Wow. Right. I've never heard that. Yeah, yeah. So how about that one? Anyway, just some fun little X-Men stuff uh, before we take a break. Are you about ready to do so? I'm ready to do so. All right. When we come back, we're going to be talking the history section of the game show Gambit, which is our featured show this week. Mike, take us out. You've been listening to America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. Welcome back. It's America's Favorite Game Show Podcast. Tell them what they've won. This is episode number 17. Is that right? 18. 18? 18. 18. They, all bl- they all blend together at this point. God, they, I got to tell you, they really are, Mike. Like At this point, we've done enough of these where I'm like, I have to go back and listen to know what we talked about in some of them. Well, and it's funny because uh, every other show I've done takes way longer than 18 episodes to get to that point. Really? I don't know if that means we're jamming a lot into each one or I don't know what it means. But uh, yeah, in well, my you experience. You do talk a lot. That's I mean, true. I'm, 
I definitely feel like you you monopolize the conversation. Well, I don't know about that. You monopolize no. the the humor of the whole thing. Oh please! <laughs> all I do is all I do is make fun of you. That's all I do. I'm not very that's, good. At that's it. true. You do make fun of me a lot. I'm just kidding. It's fine, Tom. I love you. All right. Well, we might as well get to it. Let's talk history for Gambit, Michael. Yes, indeed. Monday, September fourth, nineteen seventy-two. A game show that a that will live in infamy, as uh, Christian has mentioned on our uh, news segment. Uh, Gambit premieres right. on this day alongside a lot of other shows. But today we're talking about Gambit. Uh, Wink Martindale is the host. Classic, classic game show host. In my opinion, one of the best. And I don't know where I know him from, but I definitely remember him. Like, I saw the episode today. I was like, oh, it's Wink. Yeah, I know him. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's just the kind of guy that I always knew as a game show host. I suspect that Sesame Street's Guy Smiley is heavily influenced by him. I'm sure he's like an amalgamation of many different uh, game show hosts. But I think there's a lot of Wink Martindale in uh, Guy Smiley, for sure. In Guy Smiley, I like it. Yeah, uh, I'm, go- I'm going I'm going to go with that and just say that that is the inspiration. Uh, yeah, the, we don't have any evidence for it, but we're saying it. We're start we're starting a new rumor now. Yeah, we're going to send Christian down that rabbit hole next. <laughs> well, no. Yeah, I was going to say in 20 years, some Muppets podcast is going to be talking about this <laughs> Wink Martindale guy smiley connection (laughs) (laughs) i love it uh anyways you also got kenny williams as the announcer uh and elaine stewart as the car dealer that we mentioned earlier uh this lineup ends up staying the same for the entirety of the original run of this show uh all three of them all three of them uh stay as they are uh it started on uh cbs at 11 a.m and at that time slot, it was doing very well. It beat out both Sale of the Century and uh, a show we've mentioned before uh, on this podcast, Wizard of Odds, which was uh, Trebek's first uh, game show or maybe first American game show. I don't remember the exact qualification cool. there, but one of Trebek's firsts. Yeah, yeah. And it was doing very well. And for some reason, that means that CBS wants to move it. They move it to 1030 uh, in the morning. I, I never understand that. If if it's doing well, why make changes? Uh, maybe I have a little personal reason to be saying that right now, but that's fine. Um, anyways, moved to 10:30 a.m. and it still did well there. It beat out Jeopardy, but this was before Trebek's tenure there. Uh, as I said, he was hosting Wizard of Odds. Right. Jeopardy was being hosted by Art Fleming at the time, but uh, yeah, uh, Gambit definitely stepped in and took away the uh, ratings. So, uh, so then uh, NBC decides to make some changes to try and beat out Gambit, and they put Winning Streak going against Gambit's time slot, I suppose, trying to unseat it. Uh, Uh, And then uh, that didn't work out, so they ended up putting Wheel of Fortune up against it. That worked. Uh, Wheel of Fortune took a huge chunk away from uh, the Gambit viewership, and uh, Gambit's ratings really started to slip. Uh, So then CBS, in an attempt to sort of correct for that, they shuffle around their lineup a little bit and move Gambit out of the Wheel of Fortune time slot. So what does NBC do? NBC goes and extends their Wheel of Fortune time slot to 60 minutes instead of 30. And now their second half is going up against Gambit again. Sure enough, that uh, ended up spelling the end of it. That was the death knell for Gambit. And uh, two weeks before Christmas on 1976, NBC's Wheel of Fortune wins the great uh, one-upsmanship sort of uh, arms race. 
They won that arms race. That's what I was trying to think of. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so that 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 ended the show, the original run. Uh, but not you know not a bad run, seventy two to seventy six, uh, over a full four years. Uh, and then it ran uh, reruns on a uh, local LA station, KHJ TV. But that is about it. And the only reason why I wanted to mention that is because I usually feel that game shows do well in reruns and then come back. And this one did not do well in reruns, but then came back. In 1980, October 27th, 1980, uh, we got a new version called Las Vegas Gambit, uh, appropriately enough, filmed in Las Vegas. Uh, Maybe a little bit more of a casino theme to it, but of course, Wink Martindale came back as the host. We also saw Kenny Williams reprise his role as the announcer. Not only that, producer Robert Noah and director Jerome Shaw both came back uh, as well. So it was basically... The same production crew, not same whole crew, but the same key folks as original. Uh, Elaine Stewart, however, did not come back as the dealer. It was originally a woman by the name of uh, Beverly Malden, uh, and then she was later replaced by Lee Menning. Uh, Don't know much about either of them, or to be honest, this show in general. um, I got sucked into Gambit as it was, and I didn't want to see a new version because every time it's always disappointing. And in this case, it was probably disappointing to the general public because it only ran for one year. Wow. It didn't seem to have the uh, appeal that the initial one did, even though the appeal to the initial one uh, went away pretty quickly. This one went away much quicker. Uh, There was a pilot in, uh, I believe, 1990, if not that year specifically, the early 90s, uh, hosted by Bob Eubanks. I believe Christian might have mentioned this in the news as well. Um, But yeah, it was just a single pilot that was shot. It never aired, never got picked up. Uh, But then later, uh, the creator, Meryl Hatter, I don't know how it's pronounced, but uh, the creator of the show. I don't know if it's Heater or a Hater. Yeah, yeah. Hater or something like that. Uh, He created a show called Catch-21 that aired on uh, Game Show Network starting in 2008. Uh, Alfonso Ribeiro is the host there. Uh, It is a very similar game and is uh, considered by many to be the sort of spiritual successor to Gambit. Uh, Again, having been created by the same person, a lot of the same gameplay, that sort of thing. Um, Maybe we'll talk about that show more in depth in a future episode or something like that, but uh, I just did want to mention there that it, while it's not technically a continuation of the same property uh it is the like i say spiritual successor um and that's unfortunately all we have like i said this game really appealed to me and i would love to see a new version of it especially since it was just really the fame and popularity of wheel of fortune that knocked it out it wasn't that like it wasn't a well-liked show it was that one of the behemoths in the game show industry came along you know anybody would have lost to get to wheel of fortune you know, it, it's interesting, Mike, you're, you're talking about this and you're talking about the, the ratings and we talk about ratings a lot because back in the days, that was like the big deal. And I understand that ratings still count nowadays. I know uh. they do. I mean, that's why um, the the one show that Christian was talking about last week just got canceled after one viewing you right. know, of one 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 airing. Um, but my my thought is, is nowadays I don't ever. Like, I don't bring that, it, it doesn't hit my brain. Like, I never think, oh, gosh, I, I got to watch Wheel of Fortune, but, you know, they put Jeopardy right up right up against it. You know, like, I, mm-hmm. I know they, they don't, but let's say that was to happen. Because I just DVR everything. You know, I watch both is what I'm saying. Yes, I agree. But there's something, I, I, don't, I don't know why. My theory is that just, you know, the... Uh, sort of behemoth that is television networks aren't able to keep up as quickly with trends. But I will say, uh, having spent 10 years in the television industry, ratings matter. 
100%. Your show will get killed if it does not perform well enough. Um, I totally am with you that they should not matter as much as they do, especially since I've never known a single person who has known a single person who has had a Nielsen box in their house. Nobody. Right. Who, Right. Their sample size must be minuscule. I've never talked to anybody who knows anybody who's ever done it. Uh, so maybe maybe I'm talking out of my butt and I have a, a narrow view of this situation. And if people want to write in and square me away on that, that's fine. Uh, but I can't imagine it is in 2020 an accurate way of determining how people like your television show. Well, you know, it you the the cable companies have the ability to to channel what what you watch. So they they can literally they they're getting data from that. So if you right. have your television on right now in the other room and you've got Comcast or whatever, they know that you're watching that. Uh, and they definitely know what you DVR. So I know that I have seen out there, and and I'd love somebody to write in and 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 set us a little bit more straight. But I definitely have seen out there people who watch stuff live ratings, and then they also have like a DVR'd ratings. You know what I'm saying? So gotcha. like the show ended up being watched this many times by people who DVR'd it, kind of thing. So the problem with that is is that if you're not watching it live, are you really getting? The commercials, and I, I know, and and that's where all the you know the ratings come in, and mm-hmm. therefore you can sell more, and yada yada yada. But I'm just saying that it never crosses my mind anymore because I just DVR everything. When I mean, there was a period of time where we were taping three different things on our DVR at the same exact time on like a Monday night at nine o'clock, three different shows, mm-hmm. and I watched them all every week. Right, but for some reason, not watching them live hurt it. <laughs> yeah, there, there's very few things that I watch live anymore. Which oh, is yeah. also interesting in its own way. Anyway, so all right, so it is time for ratings, and I have to tell you, I like Gambit. I like Gambit a lot. Um, I guess we're gonna rate it out of cards. Cards, we should definitely do cards. All right, uh, I'll go first. I'm landing at a four, four out of five cards for this one. Uh, I think the gameplay is great. The trivia may have been a little easy, but I, again, that may just be because I'm a trivia nerd and, you know, every trivia question is easy if you know the answer to it is something a good buddy of mine told me once and I always keep in my head. Um, so I'm not going to fault it for having quote unquote easy trivia. It's also more accessible. So more people can, can play. Uh, I love blackjack. Like I say, playing with my grandfather, it holds a very like personal warm memory for me. Um, the strategy of being able to pass people cards is great. Uh, Wink Martindale, like I said, one of the best hosts of all time. I don't think he's going to beat out Chuck Woolery as my favorite yet, but, uh, he has just a very earnestness and he's kind of unflappable, not to say he doesn't make mistakes, but I feel like he deals with them gracefully. Um, yeah, just all around a solid, great show with a solid, great cast and crew, uh, four, four cards out of five. That's great. I'm going to also go with a four. I love Wink Martindale. I like Gambit because of the um, because of the blackjack thing. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of casino gaming in general. Even if I don't gamble much anymore yep. after working there in Vegas for a while, um, but blackjack and card games, I just love them. I really do. It's why I like Card Shark so much. It's why I like you know uh, you know Joker's Wild or whatever. You know, I mean, any any games that. that were involved in cards at all. I was I was a big fan of it. And so I like this show. I'm kind of bummed. I never watched it growing up, but it really wasn't around. I mean, I was like four when it was around. So 
There was yeah. no reruns and of again, it. And again, reruns weren't popular. Yeah. Yep. So so I'm not surprised I've never heard of it. Um, I wish it would come back. I think this would be a fun one for ABC to maybe take a poke at uh, next year or down the road. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, CBS owning it, uh, I doubt though. Well, I guess Game Show Network had the Catch-21, so who knows? Anything could happen. But, uh, you never know. Yeah, I would love to see a new version of yeah. it. So I'm going to go as four on that as, as well, so four cards. Although we probably should have, now in hindsight, looked back on it, rated it uh, up to 21 cards. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, if we're doing four out of 21, that's, that's not, not a very good not score good. at no, all. We're doing four out of five, and that's where we're at. <laughs> well, Mike, that's all we've got time for today. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Tom. Special thank you to Chris and all the folks at Buzzer Blog, uh, and of course, everyone who takes the time to listen and to write us these awesome uh, addendums that we get to put in at the beginning of every episode. Love them. Yeah, it's great. Tune in again next time when we're bringing you the latest and greatest in the world of game shows, as well as a brand new featured show, too. And remember, you can always catch us online, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course, tell them what they've won.com. Please subscribe, share, like, and drop a review if you like what you heard. And if you didn't like it, here's to hoping you bust. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Mike. See you next week. (laughs) Bye-bye, Tom. You've been listening to America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. A JTAC audio production. Copyright 2020. No part of this podcast may be reproduced by anyone without the express written consent of the creators. For more information or to contact us, please go to tellthemwhatthey'vewon.com. All right, Tom, what'd you learn this week? So I I want better sets, man. I'm so let down at how crappily built television sets are. And it's not a surprise. I've known they've been crappily built for years and years and years and years. But it's just so evident sometimes watching these older shows, it looks like it's held together with cardboard and chewing gum. You're not wrong. There are definitely some not great looking sets. How about you? Uh, well, I've I've learned I should start watching more shows that I didn't necessarily have a childhood fondness for. Uh, since we've started doing this, that's all I've gravitated towards is the like, you know, like uh, the, what I mentioned in American Gladiators, the uh, grilled cheese and tomato right. soup shows uh, that I warm the cockles of my heart, <laughs> as it were. Uh, and this one I didn't have that feeling for, and I ended up loving it. So I need to branch out more. Well, just make sure you're not too young for it. Copyright 2020, a JTAC audio production.